find a mentor. You know, I never had a mentor and I've always kind of like was so jealous of people that had a mentor. Um, you need a mentor. Like if you can find a mentor, get one because they're very valuable and they bring perspective. And, and sometimes when you start a business and you're very passionate and you're just surrounded by people that are your employees, like they, they don't tell you when you don't have good ideas. And we all have good and bad ideas, but when you have a mentor or you have a partner that you can bounce ideas with, that is very valuable. Hi, and welcome to the Official Laughs Podcast. My name is Estefania Lacayo, and along with Samantha Tams, we founded the Latin American Fashion Summit, a global platform for Latin American fashion and design. In our podcast sessions, we aim to bring you enriching and inspiring conversations with designers, entrepreneurs, leaders, activists, and newcomers, and share their powerful stories with you. Thank you for being here. We hope you enjoy the following conversation. Today, we have an exceptional guest on our podcast, a talented Colombian clean beauty pioneer who is conquering the world, who you probably know who I'm talking about. Our guest today is Tata Harper, co-founder of her amazing natural skincare and makeup US-based brand since 2007, which was recently acquired by the Korean beauty giant, the Amor Pacific Group. Tata, welcome to our last podcast. Hola, querida. How are you? So happy to uh, be here with you. I'm extremely excited. Um, I've been wanting this for many months. We will do this in English, guys, because I think our last podcast, um, I thought, you know, our community, there's also a lot of Latins that live in the U.S. all over the world that don't speak any English anymore, any Spanish anymore. So I thought it would be really nice to share this story for everyone to be able to really understand it. Totally. And it could be a little bit of Spanglish, no? Well, like, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I, I manage a major Spanglish situation. <laughs> I think that's the story of our lives. So, you know, when I was putting together the content on this, on this podcast, I was trying to go back on time, like when I first found out about your brand and really actually it's... When was that? What year was that? Well, first of all, I don't think I've even told you this story, but I started uh -huh. your product when I was pregnant of my, of Ricardo, Andrea. So uh -huh. with my both pregnancies, I only use Tata Harbor, by the way. And by the way, but, I still, but how long is that ago? Like how, my how son is eight years old and your, your brand is how long? My brand launch, uh, it's going to be 13 years this year. Can you believe it's crazy? So I think I probably started using it in 2012. Mm -hmm. uh, And then in 2018, we launched the first summit at the Riviera Maya, which I always say the first summit, it's like, I'm so eternally grateful to those people that like, or the companies behind that supported the first year, because you know, the first year it's harder for people to say yes. And you guys- It's tough. I mean, when you're starting anything, it's tough, you know, and, and, and it's true. Like you're eternally grateful to those people that- lend a hand and believe in what you're doing when it's, you know, it's the first thing and it's almost like a, like a fulfilled idea, <laughs> right? We'll talk about that right now because it's super hard. And I think starting a business is really hard, scaling a business is really hard and what we're going to speak about and then exiting uh -huh. and selling a business like you just did, it's even harder. So <laughs> but you were that brand and that beauty company that supported us on our first two summits. Um, and still so much of the girls that 
and guys that come to laughs still tell me that still use your product because we gifted your product inside the gift bag. So I'm oh, that's so sweet. And I'm happy to keep supporting you, by the way. Keep asking us. I know, keep I- asking us and giving us a heads up. Happy to uh, to spoil uh, your audience over there. No problem. I love that. Thank you. So, you know, I think we all, you know, we're huge fans of everything you've done. We're so proud of everything you've created. As a Latina, for me, it's really amazing to see a Latin, I mean, and I know you didn't position yourself as a Latin brand, but you are a Latin woman that grew up in Colombia and, mm-hmm. and you just sold your company. And it's, you know, as a woman, period, it's an, it's amazing because we know the stats that less than 2% of women or Hispanics get access to capital. Um, so is that really the stat is less than 2%? Less than 2%. It's really, really sad. And for women, Latina, I mean, the number is just insanely low and just keeps getting lower. And it's really sad. And we think that it's changing, but it's really not. And then when you hear stories like yours, think it inspires you because I think when you have so much determination, if you have an amazing product like what you created, there's those cases that you can prove people wrong, right? Um, Let's start, let's go back to the beginning. Um, what made you, like, I know some of the story because it's, I've had the chance and the privilege for you to tell me this in person, but tell me about that aha moment that you had when you were like, okay, I need to create a clean. <laughs> well, first of all, when I, you know, was, was thinking about creating that the Harper, the term clean didn't exist nor what that was the goal at all. I just wanted to create a product that was completely free of anything synthetic. Like I wanted everything to be made with uh, ingredients that come from nature. And that was really the goal. And it started, so I am from Colombia and I grew up in Barranquilla. I don't know if you know people from Barranquilla, but we're like the epitomus of Latin culture, you know, like more is more when it comes to beauty and you grow up just adoring beauty. It's like such an outlet for feeling great, looking great. And then also when you look great, you feel great, right? So it's like a win-win situation. Um, So I've always loved beauty. Does it never matter how superficial it might seem to people? It's kind of like, it's like an outlet, like a little bit of a soothing outlet for us and uh, and I grew up in a family that adored beauty my grandmother my mother my aunts like we used to like host my grandmother used to host like spa parties in her house almost every weekend and I would wake up like really early with her on Saturday morning at 6 a.m and smash avocados and make like oatmeal pastes and all sorts of concoctions with her and then all of the friends and family members will arrive and we will do all the stuff that we created plus many petty blowouts, you know, the whole thing, getting ready for the weekend. So Saturday morning was like a big uh, beauty uh, uh, moment for us. Um, And it happened almost every weekend. Um, And that really, you know, just made me love beauty. But I never, ever thought that I would become a beauty entrepreneur. I studied, I, you know, my mom kind of like arm twisted me and my sister to study industrial engineering, which I thought that I was never going to love. I'm like, okay, I'm going to study this just to make her happy. But I'm not, I was never like really good at math. (laughs) So I'm like, I don't know how successful I'm going to be studying engineering. But I happen to love engineering. 
And I was actually an excellent student throughout my engineering, which was kind of surprising for me. And that, and what I've learned from engineering is that it teaches you how to think in a, you know, like in a logical way. And I think that I kind of like you can apply like your engineering brain to so many aspects of your life and and definitely your business. So I um I basically moved to the US in 2000. I fell in love with my ex-husband and uh, and we lived in Miami and there we were doing real estate, building buildings, you know, buying land, like completely different life and and my stepfather got diagnosed with cancer. And, uh, and he was treated in the U.S., mainly in the Mayo Clinic. And I remember going to a lot of uh, doctor consultations with him. And the doctors were always uh, concerned about, like, how he lived his life. Like, Tata, you know, what, what, how does he live? Like, how does he eat? What does he, what, you know, we, we are really concerned about, like, his toxic load. Like, they measured, like, how toxic his body was. And they were like, this needs to be reduced. And I was like, wait, what? The toxic load? Like, what is that? You know, like I had, I, by the way, I've always been also like a, a, like a health enthusiast following a lot of wellness trends all my life. And, and I was like, you know, I exercise, you know, I eat well. Like, what is this toxic load thing? And what I realized is that a lot has to do with the exposures that we have daily to chemicals that we, some we can't control, but a lot of it we can control through what we eat and how we decide to eat, you know, how we clean our homes and basically the daily exposures. And that's what set me off on this course of like, okay, I need to lower my own toxic load as well, because I'm here in my mid twenties and I don't want to, you know, I have a whole life ahead. I mean, and yeah, I don't want- but if we put this into perspective, we're talking about 2000 at in the year 2004, no one is talking about sustainability or clean beauty whatsoever. No, whatsoever. No one is talking about all these things. And that's what I felt that it was so kind of sad that it's kind of like you need to be here in the situation with a family member, or even yourself, like with cancer for this knowledge to be transferred onto you. So I became really obsessed of telling everybody that I knew about like, hey, look at this chemical. You shouldn't be using that. Like try to use everything natural. I became super educated. But were you in that journey of at least like eating clean, uh, exercising? I've always been, as I said, I've always been kind of like an enthusiast of health. So I followed like different diets throughout my life, like the Atkins diet, the this diet, like, but, and I had always exercised, but I, I had never taken it to that level because I did, I was not aware of it at all. So I was not like really looking to buy organic food and try to, you know, organic is a farming practice that it, that all natural things go through. And not all, but like if you decide to farm organically, then that means that your natural things that you're growing, you're growing them without pesticides, without synthetic fertilizers and without genetically modified seeds. And I was not necessarily aware of buying organic or why was that important? I just saw like, you know, I started to see the term, but I didn't really know what it meant. But now I was like, okay, yeah, I don't want those fertilizers. I don't want those pesticides that affect your brain. And I don't want to be buying anything that it's made by, you know, seeds from Monsanto that have been genetically modified to, you know, to resist, uh, you know, to resist everything but their pesticides and fertilizers. So I, uh, I just started learning about it, honestly, myself. And then I started 
after the food and that was conquered, I then started thinking about cleaning products, dry cleaning, uh, personal care. And, and really that's where I had the hardest time is with personal care because a lot of like the, um, the products that were available at the time were mainly like a natural supermarket. So there I would buy, you know, shampoo and deodorant and conditioner, but I had never bought skincare in supermarkets. Just because again, like you, you grow up with this mentality of like you invest in your skincare. It's really important. You buy the best of the best or the best that you can afford. And I had never been a supermarket skincare buyer, but I tried it, you know, all the stuff at Whole Foods and a little apothecaries here and there. And it definitely felt like it was not formulated for a serious skincare client like myself that it's looking for technology like I, I had always used like um Swiss skincare because it's what my grandmother used to use is what my mother used so they were always like they kind of like redirected me into you know European skincare all my life and I I was just like not pleased with the options that I was finding and then I remember going to Neiman's uh, where is where I used to buy all these things and be like guys you know like all the girls there at the beauty department that they all knew me it's like please help me like I'm really like trying to go natural like I I don't want to be putting all the synthetic chemicals on my skin anymore and then obviously they all like oh this has algae Oh my God, this has orchids. Wait, this is full of botanicals. But then you turn around the box and you're like, yeah, yeah, I see the, you know, the five algaes, but I see them mixed with 50 industrial chemicals. This is exactly the stuff that I don't want to be putting on my skin. You know, all this petroleum and propylene glycol that it's antifreeze and a lot of like battery acid that it's used to emulsify. I'm like, that stuff is for my car, not for my face, you know? Um, and, and that's when I realized that even though they had products that had natural ingredients in them, they were not 100% pure, which is what I wanted. They were like this mixtures of synthetics with some natural ingredients. So that's when I started thinking to myself, like, why is it that there's nothing for a person like me that it's looking for something that it's completely natural? Like, why does all this precious raw materials that come from nature have to get mixed with all the synthetic chemicals? And then when you ask that question to the sales lady, they immediately respond that you need synthetic chemicals for things to work. But then when you speak to scientists and skin biologists, you realize that those synthetic chemicals that are in there are actually not the ones delivering a lot of the results. They are there to do a lot of the functional part of the formula, like preservatives to make sure that things don't go bad, a lot of uh, emulsifiers to mix water and oil, um, a lot of like pH adjusters, stabilizers, you know, things that have nothing to do with your wrinkles and the health of your skin. So I don't remember how, when, I mean, at this point, it's a little bit of a blur, but I basically decided to try to do this. Like, I remember one time I was with a friend of mine and she's like, Tata, like, we can't find anything without this stuff. And it's true. I had not been able to find anything myself. So I'm like, okay, maybe I can help. Maybe uh, I can use my creativity. Who was your first, do you remember who was that first call to find out how to even go about it? Like, how do I even go? It was actually not a call. I went to uh, a bookstore and I bought a whole bunch of books on 
on all the natural sciences. So because na the natural world has a lot of different sciences. So it has aromatherapy, it has herbalism, botany, you know, homeopathy, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda. And I really wanted to learn about all of it to really understand how can any of these things help with your skin? And then all the books that I really loved and that really focus on the health of the skin or that were more done from my skin biology perspective, I would hire, I would uh, contact the authors. Um, I would like look at the bio and I would be like, oh, okay, so this is the president of the Society of Cosmetic Chemists in the UK, or, oh, this is the person that is the president of the Aromatherapy Society in France. And those were really like my first emails and then I would email and you would um, just literally blank send them an email I'm data yeah <laughs> exactly or I would call if they wouldn't respond then I would call I would find out what days are they in the office and they would tell me okay they're typically here x days and I'll be like okay I'll call back during that time and I would make up in my calendar like okay I need to call so and so and I would speak to them on the phone we would make an appointment I would fly there go meet them tell them about my idea and then a number of those people thought that I was crazy and some other people were really like oh I love you and I think that this is great I will help you. And they helped me so much. A lot of scientists and a lot of skin biologists and a lot of different uh, chemists that are uh, focused on I love always emphasize to entrepreneurs that sometimes we assume when we're going into a venture that people don't want to help. But you know what? That story that you're saying, you were just sending emails and calling people that you didn't know. It's exactly what I didn't. People are more open than what you would assume. I, I yeah. love the fact that you're sharing that you just you were just sending you were just randomly calling people and so what and would don't give up and don't give up like sometimes they don't respond but you need to call and then you need to sometimes just go and visit them so that they meet you in person I feel that meeting in person is extremely powerful so okay. that they get to know you so that they get to know you know your face like what you want to do That's like your reason why we created last because I wanted all these people to meet all of you guys in person because I know the importance of putting a face with a product, putting a face with a dream, putting a face with a project. It's so important, but it's, sometimes it's just really hard, right? Yeah. Um, so, so, so that was the first calls. And then I hired a an expert, you know, in the beauty industry, which was, you know, it was, and this is another lesson because, you know, you, you talk to these experts, you pay these experts to tell you how to start a beauty company, right? Not the science part of it, but the business part of it. Like, where do you produce it? How do you make it? Where do you get the packaging? Where do you sell it? What are their projections? You know, like everything else. And then you realize that a lot of these experts are experts on the way that things are done. But when you want to do done. things that are new and innovative, they really don't know. So they think that you're crazy. They discourage every move that attempts to innovate in any way, shape or form. And you end up doing what everybody else does. And it was hard for me to realize that I was paying someone thousands of dollars to tell me exactly all the things that I did not want to do. And that showed me, uh, and that also illuminated me on a different way of actually doing things because the beauty industry, everything is outsourced. Everything. It's like you go to labs, they make the, you know, like you, if you want, like, let's say that you, Stephanie, you want to start like your beauty line. Like you go to a lab, these labs have tons of bases. 
And uh, and then you're like, okay, I want to be, you know, I am from Nicaragua. So, oh, and then they're like, oh, you're from Nicaragua. We're going to use all these actives from Nicaragua. But then they give you bases that are already out there in like 80 other brands out there in the market. They uh, they just add like one or two ingredients from Nicaragua and, uh, and that's it. And then they change maybe the color, the smell, and then they make it for you. And it's kind of like a cookie cutter process where there's very little things that are really unique to you and what you're making are things that are already out there in the world by hundreds of other brands. Another point here, a huge lesson that you just gave that I want to emphasize on this. When we're starting a venture, we get wrapped up and we all do, by the way, and we all do these mistakes into hiring that glossy name of that person that helped this beauty company or that start their business. But what you're starting was completely different. So uh-huh. we're disrupting a completely entire industry. So that glossy, sexy name that was costing you thousands of thousands of dollars that you didn't have that cash, that you could have invested that cash flow into the technology, you were invested in, in this person that was doing things the wrong way. But by the way, this is a, a mis- this is a common thing that I still see always. It's a, it's a yeah. common mistake for all of us to make. And I don't know that they're doing things the wrong way. They're just doing the oh, way that, they, that, 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 you know, the, the, the way, the best practices. But, but when you're like, oh my God, I don't want to be made in a lab where, you know, there's all these other brands being made and they don't really want to help me innovate, but just create like cookie cutter formulas. Or when you're like, oh my God, I don't want to have this contract manufacturer make my products. I want to produce my own products, you know, and that's how the farm came into being because I'm like, I'm going to manufacture my my own products and I'm not going to produce this in a place where they produce 200 brands, you know, so it's not necessarily that they're wrong is that they may not necessarily align to what you want to do. Well, hundred percent is not that wrong. It's just that you are, you had a completely new strategy and I mean, yeah. they don't know that strategy because you don't even know the strategy because you're starting something from scratch. Yeah. I always say like <laughs> I tell, when someone asks me for advice and about starting, I'm like, guys, start, we will all do mistakes, right? But just make sure that those mistakes cost you as le- the least as possible. So just try to start small. Um, don't go hire people just because you need to tell people that you're hiring a lot of people. You will, just because you have an idea of a business, you have no idea what that I- business will become until you go and you start executing on it, right? Like you- and also don't see your mistakes as failures. My mistakes have taught me everything. Oh. Like everything. And I made so many mistakes, so many, but you know what, but they taught me so much about, oh, so this is not the way to do that. It's here. I mean, it took us five years to create our technology just to imagine the amount of mistakes that we made in those five years of trying to experiment on how do you make a truly 100% natural product that is super effective, that have ingredients from all over the world, that in this one product, you get the results from, you would have to buy like 10 different products to get, you know, what this product is giving you, which has always been like at the basis of our formulation strategy. It's like, you know, I cannot even count the amount of mistakes that I've made, but they have never been mistakes because I've always learned from them. So at that point, you tell me, okay, you find out that there's no labs out there doing what you're doing. You need to go create your own farm and you go and buy a farm. A lot of entrepreneurs are listening to us right now. Muchas. Oh, but I had my farm, by the way. I had the farm. You already had your farm in Vermont. 
Yeah, but but creating the formulas was done with different chemists, you know, like that. I had to travel a lot to do the formulas. The farm came when it came time to manufacture, to produce the products, because I didn't want to produce them in a factory that produced a hundred brands, you know, and that everything is just, you know, kind of like, and then, you know, what happened is a lot of like, when you subcontract your production, it happens a lot in the fashion industry. Then you are kind of like tied to the minimums of the different subcontractors, right? So then you're like, okay, you need to produce 10,000 of this and 20,000 of that, but you're starting brand, like you don't need that much. And then I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so wasteful. You know, I'm going to be sitting on expiring inventory that by the time that it gets to stores, it already be a year. It won't be fresh and, or I will have to throw it all away because it's all expired. And I didn't want any of that to happen. So that's why we decided to start our own factory so that we produce, like we have a zero waste factory. Like we produce exactly what we need every month. And that's it. That's with a buffer, you know, for, for any, you know, last minute things, but we produce every month, everything that we need. And we don't sit on inventory for months and months. We produce every month. So by the time that it has been produced and we have all the testing, you know, you know, a month and a half later, it's shipping to stores and then we're producing more, you know, so that has been the model always. Uh, to be super sustainable, because I think that in order to be a super sustainable brand is not just about the packaging and, you know, constricted to the raw materials that you use, but how you design to produce it. It's actually as important as well, because there is so much waste uh, and carbon footprint that is brought in from the, from the production side of things. So um, in the early days that you take, uh, that you go into, that you take capital? Did you raise capital to go into this venture? How did you and your ex-husband go about it? So I, um, so we had made some money in real estate in Miami. Um, so I told, uh, I told Henry, like, you know, Henry, I'm going to use X amount of our savings and I'm going to invest it in just starting, you know, the, the, the initial part, like all the R and D, all the flying around, all the consultants, all the chemists, like pretty much all the formulation of the products were, was done on, on, on our dime. And, uh, and even like the, um, the the facility the the manufacturing facility I mean we started small I mean we've been scaling as we we've grown uh, but all of that was uh, on our own savings uh, and friends and family and then once the product was out there in the market then we did our first round which was a lot of friends and family as well um, which and we were always easy. like super careful we were always like super careful with. And, and still today, we're extremely careful with uh, our expenditures. Um, so, so yeah, it was first, it was, it was kind of like our own money. I'm a huge advocate about starting small and going to, if you're going to have to go raise, which is normal to go having to raise capital, first starting with friends and family, because, you know, obviously if you go into a VC immediately, they're going to want an ROI immediately. And they won't let you scale the business organically and sustainable as what you've created, right? Uh, well, both of you. Yeah. Have. So exactly. what was the first product that you launched? 
I, so I created 12 products because I wanted a routine. I didn't just wanted to launch with one or two products because I needed a routine for myself too. I'm like, I don't know what to use anymore. I love it. Of course you need the 12 steps. (laughs) I needed the 12 steps. (laughs) Sorry. So I launched with the, with what are some of our best sellers nowadays. It's like the regenerating cleanser, which is my daily exfoliating cleanser in the morning. Um, the hydrating floral essence, the mist. Uh, then after the mist, you know, I needed a serum. So the rejuvenating serum, which is also our best selling serum. Eye cream, the restorative eye cream, also our best selling eye cream. Um, reparative moisturizer, our best selling moisturizer and a face oil and the resurfacing mask, our best selling mask. So it's almost like that first batch of products, which, you know, I didn't launch a lot of new products for a while. The ones that have been out there for the longest are the best sellers. And and I've been tweaking those formulas throughout the years. Like we're already in our third iteration of formulation for all of those products, because we kind of like do similar to, you know, like your iPhone that it updates software. We update the technology like every two, three years. Um, just to keep it up to speed with all the new advances and in the cutting edgeness of everything that's happening in the skincare world. So, um, so yeah, those initial 12, they're they're like the majority of them are, are in our top 10. And the idea at the beginning was wholesale and direct consumer. Who was the first retailer that you launched with? What was that? So first, um, so, you know, when I launched the brand, I had no idea how big, how small this was going to be. I never launched this thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to, you know, this is going to be it. Like I had no clue. I just wanted to make it happen, you know, like provide an option that didn't exist. Um, and uh, the first thing is that we did a website. It was like a $5,000 website, like super basic because I started doing a lot of like spa parties in friends' homes, like all over the place. Because I had been formulating these products for so long that I used those spot parties to kind of like help me tweak a lot of the formulas towards the end. So they would be like, oh, the smell's a little too intense or, oh, this is a little too this or, oh, it's still a little sticky or, you know, and I would like I would I'd spend like a year doing a ton of spot like focus groups. Yeah, by doing beauty parties, like what my grandmother used to do, but at friends' homes. So a lot of those people wanted to keep buying the products. And I set up this website um, and we started selling on the website. Um, and then through uh, some of those parties, like our first big article in Vogue came, like one of the girls from Vogue came to our party and she wanted to write about us. And that's when I started getting serious about packaging. I hadn't even thought about packaging. So I developed packaging like in the most, um, <laughs> in the most fast tracked way, like typically things that brands spend years doing. I did it in like four months. Um, and we launched with labels and everything stock. And then it took me a year to really work on the packaging that we have now. Um, and, uh, and then Bo came out with like an eight page article on the brand and we had our new packaging finally, like, you know, the green packaging that we have now and our custom bottles and everything else. And then our first retailer was Space and K. Uh, Neiman's and Sephora, they all contacted us. They wanted the brand. They loved it. Uh, they loved the concept. They loved the products. They had nothing like it in their stores. And, uh, and that's, those were the first three retailers. 
plus our website. That Vogue story, that that what, what time and point was this? What year was this? This is 2010. This is 2010, like October of 2010. And a huge team came to the farm. Marina Ross wrote the story, like the most beautiful story. Um, and um, we had an amazing photo shoot and and it and it really like put us on the map. And then a lot of celebrities started using the products right away. And, you know, our list of celebrity supporters is huge. Um, they really love our brand and they love what we stand for. And, and, you know, I feel very proud about what we did because we changed the conversation in an industry where none of these things were really spoken about. Like you never spoke about natural ingredients. You never spoke about sustainability, about cruelty to animals, about zero waste. Like none of this were conversations that were happening. So it was just like a huge commotion, you know, um, just you being know. able to prove that you can have a business that can do all those things and that a lot of the challenges and you know that the naysayers used to say that was you know creating our product was impossible or more like psychological and cultural more than technological because our brand was able to scale and grow and you know and look at us 13 years later we're here uh, stronger than ever look i think there's a lot of barriers here that why I love your story so much and it, it's so it's 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 fascinating and it, it's I'm so proud of the fact that also coming from a woman from Barranquilla it's you were doing this before the conversation was even a conversation um you proved everyone that clean beauty can work it can be sexy it can be in a sexy beautiful high-end packaging that makes you want to buy it versus before like you said, like, you know, it was harder to go into this old pharmacy and find this clean beauty products that the packaging was so unsexy that it doesn't incentivize you to want to buy it. Right. Yeah. And, and definitely the visuals are a big part of it. But I think that even a stronger part of it is that for the first time, you can have a line that gives you results and that it's natural, that gives you like high performance results, because that's really at the core of our line. I know that everybody loves the story of the farm and they love how amazing our products look. And they send me products of like, oh, my God, I look at your products in my vanity and it makes me happy. And and I love that. And I love the way that the products make people feel because we work so much on that sensorial aspect of our products, because it's so important for us. Like beauty for us is like a sensorial experience. But at the end of the day, people are buying this because of like all of the mixture of rare biotech that we're buying and gathering from all over the world and that we're mixing in huge quantities in all of our products so that with every single one of our products, you're not getting just one result, you're getting multiple results. And also we don't focus on ingredients from the eighties, you know, like vitamin C and hyaluronic and you know we love them and we use of course all of those ingredients but we use like ingredients of the future ingredients that are new and up and coming and really cutting edge that do things that are out of you know like the avatar world like they make your skin thicker they relax wrinkles they voluminize they work on neuroaging they work on you know bringing making fat cells fatter so that you improve the the bounciness of the skin they work on radiance in so many different levels so we stock like a total of like 500 ingredients from more than 
80 countries. So that's really what was really unique about our line is that for the first time, you were actually able to get really cutting edge results. So here we are 13 years later, you get acquired by a Korean beauty giant company, yep. Amore Pacific yep. Group, right? And yep. I can think of a thousand reasons why this prestigious group has obviously been on your brand. But um, tell me how was, how was that process? Like when this conversation started, obviously you told me earlier in this conversation, you never, when you started this company, you never thought about how big it was going to become. At what moment um, did you start thinking, okay, like, you know, we've created a really big sustainable company, uh, but, you know, it's time. They reached out. How, when did this conversation started? How so I really had the privilege throughout the years that probably like year three into our launch, we've been approached by beauty conglomerates for years about wanting to partner with us, wanting to acquire, wanting to buy a piece, wanting to buy it all. So I think that I had the privilege of meeting so many amazing companies, um, international conglomerates, U.S. conglomerates, Japanese conglomerates. And um, but I, I don't know, there was always something in me that felt like this might not be the right partner for us, you know, because in a lot of conversations that we had, it was always about the opportunity, the market, but it was never about the products, you know? And then um, many years later, we are, we are, you know, we engage Goldman because we um, are, our, our big uh, private equity group, uh, ACG, which has been, had been with us for eight years and were so fabulous. They needed to exit because they have been a really long time with us and we needed to sell like 20% of that they owe. So we hired Goldman to do the process. And we, again, were meeting with all these groups again and, you know, figuring out what is the best solution. And, you know, we were like almost at the end of the process when a more Pacific arrived and um, and our banker called us and she's like, you know, there's this group from Korea. They're a little late in the game, <clears throat> but it is my obligation to tell you that they're interested um, and, and they want to meet you guys. And they were like, yeah, I don't know if, you know, it's too late, but, but up to you and Henry, you know, like we will set up the meeting. So Henry and I are like, absolutely. Like, let's meet them. Why, why not? Like we, our business in Asia is very small. Um, it would be amazing to know people from that part of the world and let's get to know them. So, so we met them and uh, the chairman came. So the chairman is uh, the grandson of the woman that started Amora Pacific, like almost 80 years ago wow. in uh, South Korea. And I fell in love with the chairman. I loved him so much. And the meeting was all about the products, which is the part of the business that I oversee the most, <laughs> that I spend the most time is innovation and product and packaging. So he was all about like, show me this and what is that? And how do you use it? And what ingredients are there? And it was the first time that I had a conversation with a strategic investor that were truly interested in the products. So I love them. And then learning more about them, I just learned that they they had a huge tradition in working with natural ingredients and and also that they have amazing R&D capabilities and uh and you know and that would really would bring the brand global and bring it to Asia which is a part of the world that we have very limited exposure so i went there they invited me to go to to Seoul 
And I just like was blown away with everything. Like their R&D center is really like an R&D like campus. Like it looks like a university full of like chemists. Like I just love the energy. I love like their, how much they know about naturals. Like they don't need to be convinced about naturals because they have been working with natural ingredients all their lives for their more Pacific line. And, and they also own like, at huge botanical gardens with millions, not millions, but thousands of species of uh, Asian plants. And they really, they really believe in what we do. You know what I mean? It's not like they had to be convinced. It's like, this is at the core of their, of their, of, 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 of what they stand for. And, um, and they're also in a process of beginning their own internationalization, let's say. And yeah, and they've been focused mainly in Asia and that they want to become a big uh, global player. So this is the first skincare line that they ever acquire. Really? Um, Yeah, that they ever acquire, which was also super interesting. And you know what's also really interesting? That the Korean culture is very similar to Colombian culture. They love coffee. They love to dance. They love to party. Uh, We get along like super well. And, uh, and I am just, you know, we're at the very beginning stages of our relationship. I know that it feels like it happened like a million years ago, but we're still going through, you know, you know, kind of like being (laughs) and understanding each other's capabilities, but I am in love uh, with this move and I am in love with them. And, uh, and I am super excited for the future, honestly, of the brand. So in this chapter, you're you're still leading the company, correct? But um, but you're working hand in hand with them. Um, is that correct? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm still doing everything that I've done. Nothing has really changed. We're just right at the moment trying to figure out like synergies, which is you know like all the resources that they have that could be really helpful for us. Like you know they own a lot of like packaging companies and glass companies and component companies and this and that. So it's super exciting um, just to 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 know all of it and figure out just like all the things that they can be helpful with. So. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of like where we're at right now. But I'm doing exactly what I've always done. Nothing has really changed for me, um, and I'm I continually I continue as excited as as ever. If anything, like more excited. I know? love talking to entrepreneurs when they sell their companies, and I love asking them like, "What do you miss from those early days? You know, like those early days when we're hustling nonstop, and it's just so hard." <laughs> no, I mean, we're still hustling and we operate like a small company. We're not like a huge company anyway. Um, you know, we're a medium sized business. And, uh, and, but I am happy that we're not hustling so much. <laughs> um, and that, you know, that the business is profitable and paying for itself and, you know, and that you're able to do so many things and hire the right teams and, you know, and hire the right professionals with the right experience. And I honestly don't necessarily miss all all the hustling. And I feel that I do, and we all do tons of hustling and the culture is very entrepreneurial, um, still 13 years later. Uh, but, um, yeah, but I don't necessarily think that I miss anything. I love it where we're at right now. I've really enjoyed every, every stage, but I really love where we're at at the moment, you know, you're also um, blessed that you were able to find that partner, um, at, you know, that you were able to, you know, sell your business to someone that literally believes so much in your core values and your core mission and your core purpose, which is really hard because you have those stories of companies that 
sell to a partner just for the profit behind it. And, and you hear this, you know, this horrible stories, you know, months later. Right. So, you know, it's, it's great that you found a partner, you know, especially that Koreans are Korean beauty is known for, especially them for such clean beauty, which is exactly what you've been doing. You know, a lot, I mean, since you launched, you know, now we, you know, we hear of a lot of, you know, skin um, brands and, you know, we just got hired a few months ago by a really large conglomerate, a beauty <laughs> large conglomerate for, for, a, you know, for, a, you know, they wanted to do a study on Latin America, of, you know, brands, singers, mm-hmm. influencers doing things. Have you seen something like, have you, have you tried any product lately? Like there's a lot of like, you know, a, there's a big movement coming from Latin America um, in, in skincare, in skincare, a lot in home, actually a, the most that we have found is a lot in home fragrances, a lot in home fragrances, a lot in like body product, not so much in makeup. Why do you think that is? Is it harder to make uh, makeup um, because you have? Um, makeup, uh, you know, makeup is its own world. And we haven't really like, you know, we have like little blushes and we're actually launching lip care and, and like a lip line uh, in June. But uh, but I feel that pigment like that's another world. We are in the world of treatment and that's really the world that I specialize in. And I haven't tried a lot of products from coming from Latin America. I have to be honest. So I haven't tried. There is such an influx of new brands nowadays that I don't think that, you know, that are differentiated enough to justify their existence. You know what I mean? Between all the celebrity brands and all of the different uh, private equities and venture capital wanting to fund entrepreneurs in the space. It's become a little too chaotic in my own opinion. It's become extremely saturated. And actually, you know what, what makes me really sad about this space, and this is not only for skincare, but also in fashion or actually in a lot of different uh, consumer products. Yeah. Is that, you know, and by the way, I have a lot of, I respect so many celebrities, but it's really sad when you know you have that entrepreneur that has created an amazing product and it's very hard for them to go and raise capital and and then and then you have that you know we have and now- also like is your product um differentiated enough like i i believe that now there's so much copying it's like everybody copying one another i don't think that what's the point of launching something that is the copy of something else that there's already 50 other brands doing that Especially like, when you care so much about sustainability, the world does not need a brand at all. Exactly. So that's what I always say. It's like, oh my God, like, do you need another like vitamin C line? Do we need another CBD this or that? Like, do we need more? I just feel that there is just like a general lack of uniqueness and authenticity out there. And I, well, I love entrepreneurs and I'm a huge supporter of entrepreneurship. I am not a big supporter of people just launching things for the sake of launching things that are just copies of things that are out there in the market. Like that proposition already exists. If you want to come up with innovation, if you want to come up with a product that make people's lives better, that it's new, unique, has a vision. Okay. Amazing. But don't just go and copy and do another, like a, 20th version of something that it's already out there. Like, I just find that completely pointless. Well, that's exactly, I think you just 
gave that advice that I was going to ask you of what advice you give entrepreneurs, but I think you just said it yourself. I think that's the perfect way to end this because I think the world does not need more product. But I do think if you have an amazing purpose, an amazing mission that will create something impactful in the world, 100%, go for it, create it, start small. Uh, but yes, but it, you know, if it's just a replication of something that is out there, there's just no need for it. You know, there's way too much saturation in the market. Exactly. Uh, and I think that another thing, another advice is to find a mentor. You know, I never had a mentor and I've always kind of like was so jealous of people that had a mentor. Um, you need a mentor. Like if you can find a mentor, get one because they're very valuable and they bring perspective. And, and sometimes when you start a business and you're very passionate and you're just surrounded by people that are your employees, like they, they don't tell you when you don't have good ideas and we all have good and bad ideas, but when you have a mentor or you have a partner that you can bounce ideas with, that is very valuable. And it's also some very good also taking out yourself out of your equation because when you're, you know, the, so much devoted into your daily basis. It's like, it's hard for like to think in a different perspective, how somebody can see it. Mentors are so valuable. I'm a huge advocate for them. Um, every podcast began with the same question, which is, what is your why? What is my why? I think that because I've been always so passionate about health and beauty and I wanted to build something that I felt that it was meaningful and not just like another service or product, but something that makes that it's good for people and that makes people's lives better, that makes the planet a better place to live. Like that has been my why. And and I think that what you decide to do with your time shapes your life in such a big way. And to me, it brings me tons of fulfillment. And, you know, to imagine like new ways of doing things makes me extreme, my, my job makes me extremely creative. And it also brings out these things in me that makes my life filled with purpose. And I, I feel that I can be helpful and that I am the best version of myself. I don't know if like, probably like the same for you, but, you know, not being able to find like something high tech, like a high tech natural product that was really like a, an imagination barrier more than a technological one. I feel that 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 was a big that was a big why for me, you know, um, never underestimating the power of your imagination and to be able to operate from your instincts. You're such an inspiration. I love every time I talk to you. I fall in love. Well, I've already fallen in love with your product, but you know, it's just so beautiful. Every time you hear your passion and your why and your reason, it all makes sense because it goes everything so on brand with everything that you do and what you've created. And you're such an inspiration. And it's Ay, gracias, Stefania. Muchísimas gracias por tenerme aquí. Love, love, love what you do as well. And again, happy to support you um, anytime that you need. And, uh, Thank you for this. So nice to chat. Love it. Thank you. We hope that you have enjoyed this conversation. You can email us your suggestions on who you would like to hear in our next episode. If you like this chapter, don't forget to leave a comment or rank this podcast. We really appreciate your feedback. Also, remember, you can follow us on Instagram at Latin American Fashion Summit and on Tribu by Laughs, a new platform that will revolutionize the way in which the fashion industry connects. 
Thanks for tuning in onto the Labs Podcast.